Hello and welcome to the Creating Superfans podcast, where you learn how to turn your customers and employees into superfans. I'm your host, Brittany Hodak, and I'm a speaker, author, and entrepreneur obsessed with all things customer experience. Here's the thing. We're living in an experience economy right now, and regardless of the size or age of your company or even the products or services you're selling, one thing's for sure. If your customers aren't telling their friends about you, you're in trouble. If you want to create super fans, being great is no longer good enough. You've got to be super. This is the show that teaches you how. joined today by Stacey Sherman. She's an award-winning author, advisor, speaker, and podcaster focused on doing customer experiences right. She's held leadership roles at companies including Verizon, Wilton Brands, and AT&T. Today, we'll talk about the impact a job title can have on an employee's performance, how you can teach empathy to your team, and the importance of recognizing and celebrating your customers' and employees' birthdays. And as a special bonus, she's going to give us some elevator safety tips you don't want to miss. Before we dive in, I want to thank the sponsor of today's episode. If you're looking for a proven system to make more impact and income, I want to highly recommend that you talk to my friends at Brand Builders Group. Brand Builders Group are the best in the world at helping people find their uniqueness and building on it to monetize their personal brands. Right now, Brand Builders Group is offering free brand strategy calls to everyone serious about taking their personal brands to the next level. Just visit freebrandcall.com slash Brittany Hodak to request your call. I've been a customer for five years, and I can tell you the team is absolutely incredible. You may have even heard co-founder Rory Vaden on a past episode of this podcast. They've created a system that really will help you get clear on the shortest path to grow your impact, your influence, and your income. So go to freebrandcall.com slash Brittany Hodak today to schedule your free strategy session. Stacy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I got to really spend time with you in person, which makes this extra special. Yes, this is going to be such a great episode. I always love talking to people who think customer experience is as fun and as exciting as an and as important as I do. So I know this is going to be a great episode. So let's jump in right off the bat on the CX. Uh, your brand is all about, as you say, doing CX right. So I would love for you to tell me in a couple of sentences, what does it mean to you for a brand to do CX right? Yes. So, so many brands are not doing it right. And, and it's really about getting the basics right. What we're talking about is intentionally designing a customer experience from how they learn and buy and get and use and pay and get service, customer care, and intentionally designing that internally, breaking the silos, bringing everyone together to design it. But here's the magic, can't skip this step, is actually validate it with real customers and make sure that what you designed is really what they want and that you're meeting their needs and you you adjust that. So it's that's the fastest answer I can say about really looking at it in totality. I love it. I think so many companies forget about that customer focus, like having that customer centricity to say, we've got to test this. We've got to talk to people. We've got to make sure we're doing what people want. 
Yeah. And I think the issue, again, I've worked in a lot of different brands and industries. And what happens is they're so focused on speed over quality. We've got to get this product launch. And here are, you know, people like me come along and say, wait, 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 we got to get that customer feedback before we go to market. And they're like, sorry, we don't have time. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have time? You have to have time. It, it, yeah. No, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to have time because something that could be a $10 problem today might be a $10 million problem if you let it go unchecked for the next, you know, several months or years or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've been dying to ask you this question, Stacey. So I tell a story in my book and when I speak about an elevator, and I don't know if you've heard this story. I'll quickly tell it um, for, for anybody listening who hasn't heard it. But when I visited Legoland Resort in Florida for the first time, my kids' favorite part of the entire resort was an elevator. And it was a disco dance party in that elevator. There was a mirror ball. There were lights. Music would play every time the doors closed. There were floor to ceiling decals. Like it was a party. And my kids loved that dance party elevator, as they called it. And we rode that elevator like probably a dozen times in the first couple of days that we were at that resort. And it was not until the third day that I realized that was without a doubt the slowest elevator I have ever been on in my life. Like <laughs> literally the slowest, like the whole song Dancing Queen would play between the lobby and the fifth floor. It just took forever. And because it was a small elevator, it was also a long wait to get onto the elevator because mm -hmm. it was one family at a time. So you were waiting a really long time and then you were on this elevator and it took forever to get up and down. And in our case, we were, to, we were staying on the top floor, which was the fifth floor. And the reason that I love to tell that story is because the point that I make is right now in your business, I promise there are slow elevators. There are things that could feel painful to your customer. And instead of just throwing your hands up in the air and saying, well, I can't fix the elevator. I can't make it go faster. I can't replace the elevator. You can bring creativity and intentionality to that elevator, whatever it may be, and say, how can I make it feel faster? Or how can I reframe this experience? How can I make it feel different? And because Legoland did that, they took what would have been a major pain point and turned it into a moment of delight that my kids adored, that they talked about for months after we left the resort. That was the first thing they wanted to do when we got back to Legoland 10 months or whatever it was later when we went back to visit again. Mm -hmm. And the reason I am excited to share this story with you is because you were the chief experience officer or head of customer experience for an elevator corporation for Schindler Elevators. Yes? Yes, I did lead. I did lead CX and built that department. And there is so much to say to elevators. It is much more than a thing that goes up and down. <laughs> Yes, and well, let's talk about it. I am so excited to talk about all things elevators because I don't think I've ever <laughs> met anyone who worked in the elevator industry. And as someone who uses that analogy for CX, you're the perfect person to deconstruct this. So, all right, let's talk about the experience of elevators, Stacey. What you got? <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. I got to get very meticulous because there's a lot of angles here. And I never imagined I'd be in the elevator industry. So let me start there. But wow, is it really a great experience. So a couple things. One, let's talk about the people that work 
at an elevator. Technicians, mechanics, they called them old salty dogs. I mean, I learned this whole language in the elevator speak. And what's so important is how how important those people are, the mechanics who are so good at their trade, but they don't actually realize they deliver a customer experience on the job, fixing elevators, passing people in hospitals and, and airports, et cetera. So what's really fascinating and part of what my job was is to go meet with the mechanics and help them understand that they are the front line and change their behaviors. As small as make sure that you're professionally dressed, that you are saying hello, you check in, you check out. What a difference that makes to even the property manager. Hello, I'm here, right? So point one. Point two, customer service. So a lot of times, now this is a global company, five continents. It is normal that people might get stuck in an elevator. Okay. Now this is where I'm calling out AI that not all things need to not all things belong with an AI response. So imagine you are claustrophobic, me, in an elevator and it's stuck. Now you are afraid, you're fearful, you're trying to keep it together. So you press the button in the elevator for help. Do you want an AI to say, don't worry, someone will come, can't tell you when? (laughs) Or do you want a human being who's trained in empathy, who says to you, don't worry, I'm here, I'm here with you, and tells you the expected time of arrival of the mechanic to help get you out, et cetera, et cetera. So there's so much we can unpack, even just on customer service and training those agents to help the individual. Okay, that's two. Three. Employees and and mechanics, et cetera, and customers, a big topic, when I was at Verizon, the big deal was getting up at three in the morning to launch an iconic phone and making sure that it didn't disrupt the website. Okay, this takes that to a whole nother level because here, our entire livelihood was safety and people died literally died frequently because, and these are riders and mechanics, because they get distracted, they're on their phone, they trip, the shoelace gets caught, so many cases. So on our laptops, we actually had no, not one more. And so you talk about safety as the mantra, and then eventually became psychological safety, not just physical safety, but just a culture that is tied to CX. I'll pause because there's so many stories, but those are just three. Yeah. Well, so I want to dig into that last one, that safety part, because I think anytime you're in an industry where it's physical safety, but even psychological safety, of your employees. That's a huge part of it, right? That's, I mean, going all the way back to Maslow, like we've got to worry about that component if we want our employees to be able to function at a high level. Um, Mm -hmm. But let's just talk about the writer for a minute. Um, 
do you have elevator safety tips? Like what are some things that you uh, just as a person did not know? And then once you started working at the corporation, you were like, how did I not know this? Because I feel like this is a great opportunity to pause for a little elevator safety PSA. Love that. And by the way, at the company, every meeting we had, that's how we started. Every agenda, a safety moment. So, oh boy, you're bringing me back. And it's so Yeah, you good. used the word frequently. You said people die frequently, which, which, which gave me pause and made me think maybe I need to take this advantage to learn some elevator safety tips. So uh, yeah. elevator safety with Stacey Sherman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the one that stands out that we all do, and now I don't, is the elevator's about to close and we put our hand out to make it open again, you know, to stop it from closing. Do not do that. <laughs> do not do that. People have lost limbs and you think that you're going to, that the elevator's going to bounce back open, but there's many cases it doesn't. So that's just a simple one with escalators and boy, gosh, and if you think about it in the malls, how kids are riding on the railway and it's like a, a, a fun free ride and oh, so many accidents, um, your shoelace elevator and escalator, actually your shoelace, it, the slightest little shoelace dangling, you will break bones and it's just one, one small catch on on some of the gadgets there i mean you can literally you can really get hurt so these are not toys um and we did we had to go through elevator safety and every meeting starts with safety moments but of course not but and you know stacy sherman comes along and says hey safety team when you're having your safety moments at all your meetings and these were like across all of our sales offices too can we add in some cx moments on the agenda so whoever's listening you know when you have a mission going on in your company like safety in this case connect to that team and get your cx topic it could be like, hey, let's review a survey from a customer and problem solve internally. What did you hear? Yeah. Um, so that was something that was successful. Awesome. Well, speaking of the things that you can do internally, I know you are a huge proponent of creating different job titles that really align any employee, but particularly a customer facing employee's purpose with what it is that they're doing to earn their paycheck. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about your philosophy here and share some tips around how people can bring more intentionality to their team members' titles in a way that's going to really remind that team member um, what it is that, that they're there to, to help achieve for your customers. Yeah. So I'm going to put on my BPO hat that I worked at. And what was really cool What's a BPO or our BPO is a business process outsourcing. So these are companies that where let's say a brand, an enterprise, they don't want to build a call center 
Or they need to augment. A lot of retailers do this during the Christmas time. They don't have enough people on staff to answer all the calls and chats. So they'll outsource and augment their contact center to this business processing. So I was managing thousands and thousands of agents and responsible for agent experience to deliver customer experience. And first of all, for anyone doing that, I do recommend you ask people, what do you want to be called? Engage them in the conversation. I've seen everything from customer experience champions to some I've seen even um, chief experience officers because it took away the clout and elevated um, titles and actually made everybody own the experience, like as if this is your company, care about it. There's obviously customer service rep, but that's so archaic. And I think that if you ignite people to take the ownership, whatever words you decide, you will get that in the, and the customer will hear the smile on the phone. Yeah, and it means a lot, right? I mean, it's it's one of those things that for anybody listening to this show, um, every single person on your team will feel pride in a title that is meaningful to them and is aligned with not only what their purpose at the organization is, but also what they aspire to do. I mean, I think this is going back to sort of the, the psychological side, right? Like if somebody feels excited about that either literal or metaphorical name tag that they get to put on and wear every day. That's, that's a really important part of their employee experience. Absolutely. And again, it transfers over to the customer, the rider, however you define a customer, they feel it, they see it. So it does start inside. One of the mistakes that I often see though, is that they've got the culture, they've got the champions but then they forget to actually get the customer lens. They're so internal focused that they forget about the end user. And so you can't replace the customer view and voice with the internal. You've got to marry both. So for somebody who's like, wow, I've never thought about a voice of customer program. I've never put intentionality behind collecting uh, in a formalized way my customers' opinions. What would you say to somebody who's maybe for the first time thinking about how to integrate voice of customer into their decision-making? Congratulations for even asking the question, I would say to them, because that is so important. It's your game changer. One of the things I recommend is you do, you know, crawl, walk, run, and you start small. So that might mean that you have a role who actually, before you can afford automation and these sophisticated tools, take a person or some people and actually aggregate the conversations, the structured and unstructured feedback from people, prospects and customers. So what are they saying on social media? What are they saying in customer service conversations and chat logs? What are the surveys saying? There's so many uh, components, even on your website, a contact form. You aggregate, you consolidate, and you prioritize the pain points and the happy points, and then you take action on them and you share them internally Too often, people will just focus on a survey or they'll focus on one point of the journey. And that's why I say you got to look at it holistically from all these sources. 
I know sometimes people will say to me, oh, we don't have any customer feedback. And I'm like, yes, yes, you do. You have as much customer feedback as you have customers. You may not be paying attention to it, but it is out there in many cases, publicly accessible via search. Yes. Which, which lets, we won't have time to go into this, but because it's so public, that's where customer service comes in. Because if you just watch Twitter and people name brands and say how disappointed they are, the brand has an opportunity to respond to that. And people are watching that. Yes. Yes. Can't ignore it. Service recovery, especially on Twitter. I feel like that's one of the main reasons the platform exists, right? Is to to get real-time feedback from brands who have wronged you in some way. Yes. Or X, whatever we call it now. I'm going to, I'm going to still, I'm going to still go with Twitter, I think. Um, (laughs) So one of the things that you have done several times throughout your career is help people build out their teams, whether it's internally or externally, uh, to be in those customer experience and customer service roles. So what are some of the tips that you have, or what are some of the traits that you recommend people look for when building out their own customer service or customer experience team? Mm. Well, first of all, you have to understand and be trained and know about customer experience, best practices and principles. And here's why I say that. I remember interviewing someone and they wanted to win me over and they were using all this terminology. And I remember this person was using NPS and I, and I felt like, gosh, are you just using NPS, Net Promoter Score, just to show that you know what you're talking about. Let me play with this. And so I started to probe and the numbers that were given to me really proved that they had no idea what what NPS was even. So you really have to be able to hire and train and recruit people that really understand it and not like fake terminology. So many people are claiming to be customer service, customer experience, but they really are just using it as a name and checking a box. Um, So definitely make sure you test for it and make sure that when you're interviewing up front, you're really testing the knowledge. Also, you want to make sure that you can test for what did they do when problems exist? How did they handle that? In any role they were in, because we all own customer experience, even finance people own customer experience. So really test for how do they solve the problems, listen out for empathy, listen out for soft skills, listen out for the hard skills, and make sure that you are really identifying that authenticity and people are moldable. You can train them, but you've got to start with like a singer can sing. You got to, you got to start with that. Well, and let's talk about training because I know one of the things that you have done a lot throughout your career is empathy training. And I feel like empathy has become something of a buzzword, you know, and it's like empathy and authenticity and all the things that we hear. But the reason they're buzzwords is because they're important and so many companies did not do them for so long. Um, So with empathy in particular, which I know you and I both believe very strongly is a critical component for anyone who's working in customer experience or customer service. But how do you, how do you train for empathy? How do you work that muscle or train up that muscle the same way you would with a singer who you're helping become an even greater singer? What are some of the things that you suggest people to do to build up that empathy muscle in their teammates? So as the leader of an organization, 
what's important is to pay attention to what people are doing and use those as coachable moments. So if you take just for example, the elevator, you're stuck. Listen to how that service who's that service rep or champion who took that call from the elevator, how are they responding to the person stuck? Are they automated? Are they just following a script or can you really hear that they care and they actually could feel your fear being stuck, how long it's going to be. You can listen for that. And then you take that because they're recorded and now sit down with your people and say, this is what you did really well. This is where the opportunity is. And that needs empathy (laughs) when you're stuck, where there's some crisis, where there's any pain point. So you can use real life examples to help teach. The other thing is, especially customer service reps, agents, they have such a monotonous job. It, it's just, it's, it, there's, there's a reason there's a high attrition rate. So I think that what's important is that people can um, really help to understand, put yourself in the agent's shoes and identify no cookie cutter approach, really help them. Where do they need help? Is it computer skills? Is it the biases that they have? Is it that they're in pain because of they just, one woman had a stroke before I hired her. Thank God she told me, but it explained why she was the way she was. And I was able to work with that. So ask people, listen, find opportunities in real time to then coach and teach and reinforce. Yeah, everything, everything can become a teachable moment, right? And I think modeling the behavior and responding as a leader in those moments that the way that you hope your team members respond to your customers is one of the most important pieces of training that exists. Absolutely. Now, there are tools. AI is common to help with some of those automated tasks to free up time to be able to service customers. It's just not a replacement. It's an enhancement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I have been telling people lately, um, when you're asking yourself whether or not you should automate, the next question should be, does this elevate? Is this elevating either the customer experience or the employee experience in some way? And if not, then maybe it's not quite time to automate that just yet. I agree. Yes. So Stacey, one of my favorite commonalities that we share is we both happen to have been born on the best day of the entire year to be born. Yes, it is. And it's right before the major holidays. (laughs) Yes. So December 1st, coming up here in just a a few weeks, uh, we will both share our birthdays. And one of the things that I'm excited to get your take on is things that you have seen companies do well from a birthday experiential standpoint. Any best uh, stories or uh, spotlights that you wanna you want to throw somebody's way for something that really got your attention in a great way on or around your birthday? Yeah, it's the small stuff. It's not the big expensive prize. <laughs> it's the small stuff. It's literally people filling out a handwritten card and even if you're remote, like there's there's different ways you can do this, but getting a card and people actually writing something heartfelt 
is so beautiful. It is old fashioned, but yet I still appreciate it tremendously. I've saved it from different companies I've worked at. I don't know. I cherish that. There's something a little traditional in me. Yeah. You know, I, so the last week's episode of the podcast was with our dear friend, Joey Coleman, and we were talking about the employee experience in his new book, Never Lose an Employee Again. I love the idea of having an employee experience plan around birthdays, because you're right. If you aren't acknowledged on your birthday by your employer, what a big, fat, awful way to say to your customers, we don't care that much about you as an individual. Like if you're not even acknowledging their birthday, that is a huge missed opportunity. So yes, in addition to the customer experience side, if you are not doing something right now to acknowledge the birthday of every single one of your employees, that is your homework. That is your action item from this episode. Yeah. And I tell you, it's such a miss. There's many times it was my birthday and I'd walk around when we were in the office and I'd walk around and, and no one would say anything. And these were people I worked with closely. And I'd feel like, isn't there a sign on my forehead? It's my birthday. And no, there's not. (laughs) But I don't know. I feel like anytime I took a job, especially when I had a team, it was the first question among the first questions in my onboarding. I want a list of my team and their birthdays and special occasions. And it's just so simple, but not everybody does it. Well, and I think that's also a really great opportunity to talk about the differences from employee to employee and the personalization that you should employ. Because like, for example, my husband hates celebrating his birthday, makes him upset that people acknowledge it. I don't know why we are very different in that way, but he would like not go to work on his birthday for years and years because he was afraid people were going to say like, Hey, happy birthday, happy birthday. So having a plan that isn't like across the board, here's what we're doing. There's a card that everyone signs and, you know, a cake in the break room because some people aren't going to want their birthdays acknowledged. So also having the conversations with your teammates to understand, is this somebody who is excited about this holiday or would rather pretend this holiday doesn't exist? Personalization is the way to go for everything, especially when it becomes so personal. So as a customer, what is a birthday surprise or acknowledgement that you received that you were blown away by? I would say this is not birthday related. Okay. Um, but it's something that's memorable. And I tell this a lot when I'm speaking. And it's, do you know the company Stacy's Chips? It's a PETA company. Yes. Yeah, okay. you get them on airplanes oftentimes. Okay. <laughs> so- Stacy, when she owned this company, her name was Stacy. And just to be clear, no relation, right? This is not you, Stacy. This is different. No. Okay. No. So Stacy, <laughs> I can see why you would have an affinity for the chips. And now even more so. So she spelled her name, the owner of the company, spelled her name like mine, Stacy, without an E. So she somehow did the most brilliant marketing where she got a list of all the Stacys. I, th- I think this was USA based. I don't know for sure. And she sent a box of Stacy's chips, pita chips, different flavors in a box. It said to Stacy from Stacy, got it at my door. And I'm like, what is this? Open it up and there's Stacy Chips and she wrote a, a note that said, I'm sending this to 
many, many Stacy's here and enjoy my chips and just, just a heartfelt message. That was it. Not selling. Maybe there was a coupon inside who knows, but I still tell the story because it was unexpected. It was creative and I remember it and I'm talking about it years later here. So that's a good tip for marketers and customer experience who want to create wow moments. That was. That was. And I'm sure it felt like your birthday, even if it wasn't because Stacy sent Stacy chips. That is a very it, cool story. It did. It did feel like my birthday. Who sends me a box of, yeah, like, <laughs> yes, it, it felt like it. Well, Stacey, thank you so much for hanging out with me on the show. For anybody who wants to learn more about you and doing CX Right, where should they go? So doingcxright.com has lots of information and helpful resources and my podcast, including Brittany on my show that just won a, a W3 award. So I'm really proud of it. It's a labor of love. And um, yeah, I love sharing knowledge and helping to drive more people doing CX right. It is one of my favorite podcasts. Everybody should check it out. And if you ever have the opportunity to hang out with Stacey or see her speak on stage, I highly recommend that you do because she will absolutely make you understand that it is not just optional, but imperative to do CX right. Thank you. Thanks, Stacey. All right, that's all the time we have for today's episode of the Creating Superfans podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now remember, if you're a super fan of today's episode, you can help us out in a big way by leaving a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It may seem like a little thing, but it can make a huge difference in helping others discover the show. Now until next time, remember, super fandom is a two-way street. Show your love for your customers and your employees, and they'll love you right back. We've got an exciting show lined up for next week, so I hope we'll see you right back here. Bye-bye.